If you have your Bibles for a little while, let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 13. At the end of our service, our children are going to be rejoining us for just a few moments to close out the service with some giveaways uh, that were promised as part of our promotion weekend. And so if you would mind to stay around just for a few moments for that, uh, I'm sure they would be thankful. Had a great day yesterday in spite of the weather, and I'm thankful for all that worked so hard. Matthew chapter 13. The Lord directed my thoughts here um, and I, I, when I, when when the Lord first dropped thir- Matthew 13 into my heart, I thought it was going to be about the parable of the sower, one of my favorite parables, stories of the Bible. But I read it and nothing, nothing got a hold of me, and so I just kept re- reading. That's a good thing to do, just keep reading. And I read and I read and I read, and it's one of the longest chapters in the New Testament, and I got down to the end, and that's when the Lord started speaking to me. And it came to pass, verse 53, that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence, and when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence? Hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Josie, and Simon and Judas, and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And verse 58 concludes by saying, And he did not many mighty works. Mark said he did none. But Matthew gave the benefit of the doubt that maybe somewhere, in that moment that there was something that happened that was good. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. My subject this morning is simply this. God is not on trial. Amen. Say that with me. God is not on trial. You may be seated. When one looks at the ministry of Jesus in its totality, his earthly journey was one that truly was astounding to say the least. I went back and I looked again at the number of miracles and wonders that he performed in his earthly ministry. And there are a long list of things that he had done. As a matter of fact, if Matthew's recording of this account is chronological, which most historians say it was, that by this time he had already performed 11 profound miracles. 
among his people. He had opened blind eyes. He had healed lepers. He had healed a palsied servant of a centurion. He had uh, performed the miracle of healing a, a woman of fever, a woman with the issue of blood, a daughter that was grievously sick. No one knows for sure. Eleven of those miracles had already been performed. He would not only do that, but many other things. Withered hand would be restored. The dead would be raised. The demonics would be cleansed of their demonic spirits and set free. He would heal a man of dropsy. And I... Don't know that I've ever really done a study of dropsy until I got to looking at this text and I realized that the scriptural reference to dropsy is in our modern medical field would be connected uh, with conditions of the heart or the kidneys or the liver which causes the body to retain fluids. So there was somebody with heart problems back there that he healed of heart problems or kidney malfunction or something else in their body that was causing their body to not function properly and retain fluids. But the Lord healed that person of that disease. He, he unstopped the deaf ears. And not only that, the Bible says in healing that man, he untied his tongue. There are many people, it has been spoken in times past, it was, it was in our time, it seems crude, but they were called deaf and dumb. That's a misnomer. Most deaf people, in the, the word dumb doesn't mean mentality. It meant they were unable to speak. Most deaf people can speak. It's not that. It's they've never heard their voice, and so they are hesitant to use their voice. And so their tongue is tied up, and they have a hard time expressing. But in his earthly ministry, he unstopped the deaf ears, and he untied the tongue of a man. He rebuked the spirits of demons that were in people's lives and set them free. He turned water into wine. He brought a drought of fish to some men who had fished all night and caught nothing. He had stopped the storm. He had walked on water. He had put a coin in, a, in the mouth of a fish so that a man could pay his taxes. He had cursed a fig tree and when they came back on their journey, they were astonished that it had dried up so quickly. All of these things, and at least 11 of those miracles of Christ had already been performed when he finally made his journey back to Nazareth, his hometown. He went on a journey to his own people. And coming into his town, he went as it was his habit to the synagogue. The synagogue was 
a place of meeting for God's people. It was not the temple, but it was, it was like our modern church where men could come that were not able to go to Jerusalem and find a place of religious learning and teaching. And he came not as the carpenter's son that he had left as, but he came as a rabbi because he had with him on this journey his 12 disciples. He came as a teacher. And so when he came in, there was, uh, there, there was this presence about him that offered him the opportunity to speak in the synagogue. There was no one in particular that was chosen. Whoever the leader of the synagogue was could designate that. And so obviously Jesus' presence there, though he was known of them, had, had influenced them in such a way that they opened the pulpit to him and gave him the opportunity to speak. I don't know what he talked about, but obviously he referred back to the many things that had already been done because they asked the question, where does the wisdom of this kind come from, seeing he is but a carpenter or a carpenter's son? He is not one of the learned. He is not one of the religious leaders of our culture, and yet he speaks words of wisdom And where are these mighty works? Where do they come from? The Bible says that it was here in this setting that questions began to rise. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not Mary's boy? And are his brethren not with us? Don't we know the four brothers and even his sisters that are among us? It had happened that in this moment of time, it seemed as if they had put him on trial, that he was being uh, vetted, so to speak, as to whether he had the right or the authority to say whatever he was saying or to proclaim what he was proclaiming. Instead of his teaching being greeted with wonder and awe and inspiration and amazement, his teaching and his words were met with contempt. The Bible says of them that they were offended in him or offended at him. He, it was as though they had placed him on the, on the jury box or, or in the prosecutor's corner and They were going to try to determine whether or not he was worthy of their attention or he was worthy of uh, what he was asking or what he was insinuating from his words. And the hostility and, and the unbelief that surrounded them, they would not listen because they knew his father and they knew his mother and they knew his sister and they knew his brother You know, familiarity can become a curse if we're not careful. We can get to know so much that when God comes to do great things, we limit Him because we are so accustomed to His work. They could not conceive that anyone who had lived among them could be as who He said He was. And their attitude to him raised a barrier which made it impossible 
for Jesus to affect them in the way that no doubt he intended to affect them by coming to them in the beginning. And the Bible says that he could do no mighty works. He could do no miracles there. What a tragic statement. What a sad, sad dilemma that he could do none. He could do them, but he was not allowed to do them. There was potential there. There was possibility there. But what loss they suffered that day because of their attitude. He was limited not by a lack of power or a lack of authority, but he was limited by a lack of response. They simply did not open themselves to him. The fact is their lives were limited by what they would not allow him to do for them. Their families were cheated that day. Their futures were blighted and their futures were marred because of their response to him on that occasion. He was not limited by a lack of power, but he was limited by the right conditions. His power, listen to me, his power did not depend upon faith necessarily for it to be operated. Because he had performed other miracles where there seems to be no evidence of faith present. But it did depend upon opportunity. It did depend upon somebody opening the door and allowing him to be what he could be to them and what he wanted to be to them. Many a message of hope has been killed not because there was something wrong with the message but because the mind of the hearer, because of the mindset of the hearer and the prejudices of the hearer, they would not receive it or conceive that it could be possible and they never give God a chance to do what he does best, and that is the impossible. Amen. He can do anything, folks. You may go somewhere else where they question that, but it's not questioned in this church. God can do anything. God can do anything. There is nothing too hard for him, and there is nothing too hard with him. Anything is possible with God. Amen. Nothing is too hard. When I think about that and all that that involves, it amazes me of what all God puts within our reach this morning and what God brought into this service because we made it about Him. We've not made this service about us. It's about the Lord. If you've been confused at all, I hope it has not been confused about what's important this morning. Because what I've heard since the beginning is nothing but a direction toward Him. He is the answer. He is the help that I need. He is the hope for my life. He is what will sustain me and keep me if I will allow Him to do that. Yet all that he could do can be lost. It can be lost. 
It can be lost, and it is proven here in our text. What God could do can be forfeited because we allow our small minds to limit a great God. Brother Hughes, I just don't see how it could be. And I don't believe that it could happen. Well, let me tell you something this morning. Just because you can't figure it out doesn't mean it can't be figured out. I've never seen more arrogance in my life than in the world in which we live. As if some puny little mind can say, well, I don't believe in God. And their unbelief in God nullifies the fact that there is a God. Whether you believe it or not, He's in this place right now. Now you can improve your situation. You can improve your future and you can improve your family if you would just open yourself to that reality and say whether I understand it or not and whether I know all the details about it or not, I want to open myself to what is available to me in this church today and what God can do in my life that no one else can do. All that Jesus could do was limited because they would not let him do it. I wonder what could he work out in this place today if somebody would just open themselves to him. I wonder what he could work out in your family or in your home or in your job situation or in your future or about your faith that's weak and crumbling. I wonder what God could work out this morning if somebody would just say yes. I'm weak, but I'm here, Lord. I, I don't fully understand, but I want what I feel and I sense in this place today. I want the impact of your presence to be felt in my life. I wonder what he could make straight today. I wonder what he could straighten out. He could straighten out crooked limbs and he could straighten out crooked legs. I wonder if he could straighten out a crooked life today. I wonder if the same God that touched the man who limped to church and allowed him to walk home from church could touch somebody's mind that's limping this morning because something happened to you that crippled you. I wonder what could happen if somebody would just let him straighten it out today. I wonder what would happen today if somebody would just let him heal them. Heal them of their hurt. Heal them of the pain. Heal them of the things that they have retained in their life because of issues that have cropped up that they had no control over or they had no way of controlling. I wonder what he could heal today if somebody would just let him be God. I I wonder, when I was preparing, I wondered what God could loose this morning in this place. Somebody came in service bound up by habit and bound by circumstances and bound by issues and bound by a mindset that's just small and, and negative and, and you know all of that. I don't want to go down that road too far, but they're bound everything 
about life is so negative and so so uh, uh, unpopular with them. And yet God has the ability, just as he did then, to do it now this morning, uh, that he could come in and he could loose the bands uh, that hold you the fear that you live in, the, the, the dread that you get up with in the morning. The reason you've got to take pills at night to go to sleep is because in your heart there's a fearfulness of what lies ahead. I wonder what would happen if somebody would just open themselves to the presence of God that's here today. I wonder what he could loose you from and let you go home free from today. A mind and a heart, tongue or a spirit that has been bound could be loosed today. Amen. Amen. Well, I wonder what could happen if somebody would just allow them to make him whole as he did others. I wonder what he could stop today. Just his presence. I, just his word. I wonder what he could put a stop to this morning if somebody would just receive that word. You don't even have to come to my house, Master. All you've got to do is say the word and it'll stop the craziness going on in my house. I've got a man in my house right now that is tormented. I've got a man that is vexed. But all you've got to do is say one word, Jesus, and that word is sufficient to to stop the craziness going on in my house and in my home and in my children. I'm here to tell you that there's a power in God that can release something in this place today that can stop the craziness of stuff going on in your life. It can stop the lunacy that sometimes comes with just living. He can speak a word in the storm that you've been in for weeks or months or a year. He could bring it all to a stop this morning. He could give you the peace to live through it. If he doesn't stop it, he could give you the confidence and the assurance that he gave the Apostle Paul. Paul, I'm not stopping these winds, but I will tell you this. The wind is not going to stop you. And the storm is not going to stop you. You're still going to Rome. You're going to make it through this storm. Just hang on. Whatever you can get your hand on, grab hold of it and don't let go. Because I can get you through the storm. I can keep you in the midst of the storm. I wonder what kind of chaos the Lord could put a stop to this morning. If somebody would just, I believe you. I receive you. I accept. I, I want what you've got. I want, why, I want what you've come here to do. I wonder what would happen today for somebody if God could stop the drift. Not a bad person. Not a mean person. Not intentional. Just busy in life. And you've got so many things on your plate this morning that God just kind of fits in somewhere here and there. You find a place for him and, and then you figure, you wonder why life does not work right. I'm going to tell you why life doesn't work right. Because he has to be in the focal point. He has to be in the center to make it work. That's what balances everything out in your life. You can add him. This is not an additive to life. This is the life. It's when you put yourself on an altar and say, God, I give you all of me. I'm not trying to give you part of me. I don't want to just give up my mind or my thoughts or my will. I want to give you my whole being. When you lay it all on the altar, God can do things with a man or a woman who gives himself to him. What could be transformed today? What what could God supply 
that's needed in your life. You know, I've never, I, I don't know, I don't believe there were any trivial miracles. And taxes are not trivial, folks. You don't believe that, just don't pay them. <laughs> yeah, just don't pay them and see how trivial they are. But I, you know, I don't know, but there was an issue that came up about who we're going to honor. Do we pay taxes to Caesar or do we ignore that? And they didn't have the money to pay them. And so the Lord tells them, go down and there's going to be a fish you're going to come and con. You're going to catch a fish. I don't know how they did it, netted it. I don't, I don't know. I just know that when they got there and the mouth was open, that old fish had swallowed somebody's coin that had dropped over. You say, that's just queak. That's a fluke. That's just a quirk. You know, God doesn't. Hey, I've been in this thing too long for you to tell me God does, doesn't do quirky things sometimes. There's been times that I didn't have enough money to pay my dental bill. And all I knew to do is pray and go home and on the way home get a phone call and say, could you come by? I've got an offering God laid on my heart to give you. And when I get there, there's enough money to pay a dental bill. You say those incidentals don't matter to God. They do matter to God because your life matters to God. Everything about you matters to God. It matters to God whether you have peace in your home. It matters to God whether you have peace in your family. It matters to God whether you have food on your table. It matters to God whether you make it through the crisis you're in right now. Hallelujah. I wonder what he could supply today if somebody would just let him in. If only you would let him. That's the secret. That's the real key. You see, God's not on trial this morning. We are. Brother Jay, bring me that. I don't know any way to better illustrate my sermon than by just a simple, thank you, brother. I think this is a gallon of water. Is that right? I think that's right. That's what the doctors say you need to drink every day, at least that. That makes me... Sag right now to think I'd have to drink that much water. That's a number of good cups of coffee. I don't know how much of this would be needed to make a Dr. Pepper, but a gallon of that. That's awesome. This thing right here has the capability of keeping somebody from dying. Keep somebody from dehydration. It has the ability to give you enough energy to get up and go a little further. That's what this has. It has the capacity to do that. This is a wonderful vessel, just like your life, my life, anybody's life. It has capacity to do good. It has capacity to be better than it is. It has capacity to bless wherever it goes. But that vessel is incapable of receiving anything if it's not open. I've got another gallon of water here that could fill that gallon jug, that empty jug up. But it doesn't matter how much I try. It doesn't matter how hard I try. It doesn't matter how intent I am. It doesn't matter how much I purpose in my mind for that water to get in there. Has any gotten in yet? 
Has any gotten in yet? Oh, my. There's life in here. I mean, this could sustain. This could get you through next week. This could get you through a hard time. This could get you through the storm you're about to go through. This could get you through all the trouble that's about to come rolling into your family. This could help you get through a tough time in your job or your marriage or anything else. But as long as that thing is closed, it will never receive one drop. I could throw this thing into an ocean. And I don't know how many years it would take for it to deteriorate. But however long it took, that's how long it would not receive the benefits of what surrounded it. Until something happened to open it up. And then everything changes. Everything changes. I've got hope for the future. I've got hope for my family. I've got hope for my marriage. I've got hope for my, 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 my life. I've got hope that I can overcome this. I've got hope I can put this behind me. I've got hope I can be better than I've been. I've got hope that I can be the person that God designed me to be. But until I open myself to Him, it doesn't matter what God's capable of doing. It's all wasted because I am the one on trial. Not him. It's not about what God can or cannot do. If I were to ask for a raise of hands, there would be hands go up all over this building of miracles that's happened in your life. Somebody had, had a financial miracle. Somebody had a healing miracle. Somebody had a family miracle. Somebody had this miracle. Somebody had that miracle. It, there's no lack of that in this church today. And that same power, the same Jesus that walked into Nazareth walked into this place a little earlier when we were worshiping and magnifying Him. You felt His presence. You, the glory of God filled this place. And that same Jesus that came into Nazareth came into this place and said, All right, everything I'm, I'm capable of is, is here today. It's yours if you need it. Nothing limits the hand of God like people that just do not reach out to Him. Amen. Unbelief will stop it, but I'll tell you what really kills the miracle in people's lives is just indifference. Well, it's, you know, it's Sunday, but it'll, there'll be another Sunday. It'll be another service. There'll be another day. There'll be another opportunity. And so many people walk away from a life-changing moment because they're just familiar they, they've heard that story before it it would be worth everything today for somebody to understand this simple illustration that if you could just open to him there is so much possibility when i open to him I don't care how confused or messed up my life is i don't care how bad my family life is i don't care how broken my mind is, I don't care how dysfunctional I am, when I open myself to Him, something miraculous takes place. There are people in this building that have been abused in their life. You would not know that if you looked at them today because 
of the transformation that has come because they opened themselves to him. They don't go through life scarred and maimed. There are former alcoholics in this building, former. They're not alcoholics anymore. We don't call them alcoholics anymore. They're not ever going to be called an alcoholic anymore because one day they opened themselves to him. And in opening themselves to him, there was a transformation that broke that hole. I've never drank. I don't know what it's like, but I know there have been people that it's been like a chain wrapped around their body, their life, their mind, and it's held them in torment. But when they opened themselves to God, God was able to transform them. There's people here that when you came to God, your life was headed toward disaster. There were people that were headed toward suicide, but they found themselves in a church and they found themselves in the presence of God and they just opened. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. They just allowed Him to be God in their life. And in that opening themselves to Him, He touched their sick mind. He touched their sick heart. He touched their thoughts. He transformed. He began to turn all of that. Brother Pete, and I don't know if you remember, but years ago at life, there was a young man that came in. I can't remember his name. Dad, you might remember. Set up here on the left. He, his mind was so blown on drugs that he could not hold a conversation with you. He could not. I mean, he was a space cadet. Nobody gave him a hope that he would ever be anything but a burnout mind. But he kept coming to church, and he kept exposing himself to the presence and the power of God. And over a period of time, I was in and out traveling. I didn't get to see him every week. Sometimes it would be three or four months, but every time I came back, he was there. And every time I would talk to him, his mind was a little clearer. And what was his name? A little clearer. God called him to preach. He pastored a church one day. I don't even know where he's at anymore. I don't know what happened to him. All I know is that God took a messed up, buzzed out mind, that crack and everything else that could have been put into it had burnt up, and the world had put it aside and said there's nothing that we can do. But when he came into the presence of God, God did something in his life. God did something in his mind that brought all of that back together and put it back the way it ought to be put back. I don't know exactly what it is you need from him today, but I am telling you that whatever you need from him, he has it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen.